just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've been told to take it away, ladies and gentlemen. Hello and welcome to Do Go On, the podcast with myself, Dave Warnicky. And of course, it's not just me. It's also Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello, gang. Hello, Dave. Hi, Dave. Um, just a quick question. Oh, when no. It, I mean, <laughs> oh, no. I, I mean, in the form of a statement, um, yep. when we started out, it was Dave, Matt and Jess. And it slowly morphed into Dave welcoming Jess and Matt. I'm just wondering... What the fuck is going on with that? Well, the only thing that matters is that Dave comes first. That is all the listeners want. And I'm here for you, listener. That's how his love life w- operates as well. Oh, Dave comes first. <laughs> all that matters is Dave comes first. Yeah, selfish, selfish. He's a selfish, selfish. lover. But. And a Nazi sympathizer. No. With Once again, one, only one of those pecker. things is true. Only one of those things is true. <laughs> I'm a selfish lover. <laughs> But I'm quite a good friend, so that's why I'm not going to crack it at you two for picking on me at the start of the episode where I'm going to be doing most of the bloody talking. Um, But apart from that, how are you both? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, pretty good. Thanks, Dave. It's good to be here. These are my favourite episodes, as you know, when you're giving the report. Mm, Mine too, mine too. You're my favourite reporter. Thank you. Other than Peter Hitchener, obviously. What a bloody legend of screen. Yeah. What a great newsreader. What a, does, he follow, does he follow us on Twitter? Because he follows a lot of people. He follows me on Instagram. Does he? Mm-hmm. He's, Creepy. He's, he's been in this very podcasting studio. Get out. <gasps> the Hitch. The Hitch, yeah. Exciting. He did Exciting. an episode of uh, Rusty Fragment. He once told me, tweeted me saying he was interested in coming to my comedy show. What? I followed him on Twitter, then he mm. followed me back, and I said, oh my goodness, so happy to have you following me. I'm a big fan. Like I've, my parents watched Channel Nine News, so I grew up watching him mm. every week nightly. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he tweeted back some in my bio. Was like, oh, you know, new comedy festival show. And he's like, that sounds interesting. I'll have to check the calendar, and I hope to check it out. Oh, what a and then sweet when he, man! I know, but when he didn't come, I was very upset. Of course, of course. Well, I take back my sweet man statement. He you- also once got a. a um, we just had an election in Australia over the weekend. I once got a. A letter from the my local member saying, mm. "Congratulations on doing the comedy festival. That's very cool." What? Didn't bother to come along though, did you? 
But they said that. Who was your local member out in the Afflonese there? Oh, I can't remember who it some was. Some toff? Yes, no abs- some absolute toff. I imagine it was a, a Tory type. Absolutely. Well, now I live in a, a seat that has never not been right-wing, never not been liberal. I'm one of the few seats. That would be confusing to overseas listeners. Our right-wing party here is called the Liberal Party. That's right. And <laughs> it, I'm, I'm in one of the few seats that the Liberals' approval rating actually went up. Wow. That's how affluent we are, baby. Love that money. Making it rain. Love that money. That's right. Living in the shittest house on the shittest street in the nicest suburb. That's the way to do it. No. No, it's not. No, that's not the, way the way to do, to do it, it if you own the property, but I rent, so I'm making no long-term gains. Very good. Very good. Very good, good on you, Dave. Very good. Sound investment. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Now, nah, good on you. Good on you, you bloody toff. I love that silver spoon up your butt. Good on you, mate. <laughs> I was born with a silver spoon in my ass. That's right. Oh, well, it's a weird thing rich people do. Put silver spoons up your yeah, butt. Yeah, it's really strange. Well, I mean, don't knock it till you've tried it, mate. Yeah. it's a good point. Yeah, one, good, day, one day, you know, yeah, good I'm, I'm aspirational. One day I hope to be able to put a... An anal spoon up Some your... sort of an eating utensil up my butt and... and um, May I suggest a ladle? Ladle. Mm. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Start with wood, make it to metal. Yeah, you want to start with the splinters. You want to get those out of the way for yeah. early. If you can... Do if, that. You've if got you a career were, in being rich. If you were gonna, <laughs> if you were gonna choose one, oh god, what would it be? One what? What? One uh, one eating utensil. But do you also get to decide which way it goes in? Yes. Well, then you just go like a wooden spoon and just like the the handle. Okay. Uh, chopstick. Chopstick. Fuck. I'm with you on chopstick fuck. as well. I'll have the other chopstick. Thank you. Well, what the fuck is this conversation? <laughs> no, come on. I hope it matches well with the um, topic today. Absolutely not. Because everyone not, else is, uh, It's not anal probes. Everyone else is looking well, at the topic, which is like, if it was last week, it's like some full-on serial murderer. We're talking about... it starts off with a, a little bit of light utensil butt plugging. <laughs> what would you put up your butt if you had the choice? Call in now. It's going to be a hashtag for <laughs> that. <the> hashtag? <laughs> hashtag, uh... Oh, no. you've, really, you've really lost it, Jess. Shut you used up, to be man. so quick on these. Well, I wasn't. You, you put me on the spot there. I was all right. Well, you think about out. that while we take a, the time to do a big shout out to all of your dads. <laughs> Thanks, everyone that's tweeted in for hashtag my dad's name is. There's at least 15 of you, so we appreciate that a lot. It's so great. 15 people that have dads. Yeah, congratulations on having dads. And yeah. the rest of you, well, good luck to you. Who have names? What a funny thing to have happened. And yeah, no, it was really, it was really nice. Yeah, it's lovely. It was, a, it was nice to get to know your dads on a first name basis. Mm-hmm. It really was. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're going to get into my topic, which I have taken from Matt's hat. Or it's, how did you get in I, there? It's the group's hat. I've got to stop calling it Matt's hat because he's going to start claiming ownership. He's going to start locking us out. I'm going to have to apply for cu- custody or rights to see the hat. You know what's interesting, Dave, is that the, the reason that we do call it Matt's hat is that he is typically wearing a hat and today what's uh what's missing in matt's ensemble he is sans hat sans hat for you matthew i can see your gorgeous auburn locks auburn auburn thank you that's what i put down on forms <laughs> Do that auburn? ask me for hair color what kind of forms are asking you for hair color like online dating websites that's a very good question um I, I can't think of a good answer. your american driver's license american driver's license does is it one. say hair color it must because it says eye color Um, When I fill out um, my Americans, let me know if it's hair donation form. Hair donation, which you do frequently. You're um, you're a hero. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hero to the hairless. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's a hashtag for you. Hero to the 
hero to the hairless. Love it. I love it. It's beautiful. Anyway. Uh, what was the question? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm you've, getting... taken, you've taken the yeah, topic from the hat. I'm taking the topic from the hat. And we always start with the question. I've got two here. First one is... Two questions. What is our most requested topic ever? Ooh. This one has not one. Not two, Ooh. but three listeners that have tweeted or and or emailed in saying, "Hey, can you do this?" Really? Oh, is it that one that I've I've only ever read and not, and it includes an incident in it? Does Possibly. It in, does it include an incident? It does include the word incident. So Matt it, seems to know this, but Jess, have you? I can't think. You of don't it. spend enough time in the hat, but Matt, he's got it memorized, so it's hard to pick a topic that Matt hasn't already. Well, no, that's not true. I, I, but this one, because it has come up so much, I've, end, I've, I've, I've put it on a little piece down. of paper and dropped it in the hat thrice, mm. uh, thrice. next to my head lice. Hey, rhyming. I'm back on. You're getting better. Thank you. I don't have head lice. And We've been doing lessons. I hope you don't have head lice. You're Is donating it? hair to bald people. <laughs> Hero to the hairless. Hero to the hairless. Hero to the hairless. Is it something like Dilatov? Pass incident. Oh, that's close. It's uh, not close. It is. Uh, have you? Have, do you know this topic at all? It is the Dyatlov Pass incident. What did I say? Dilatov. It's close enough. Oh, I mean, it's it's a word it. I'd never heard of. Before. I'm willing to pay it. That's great. I've been I looking no forward to this topic. This it includes like a tent. I know that much because I did a brief look. It includes it. a tent. It does that because my follow-up question was going to be: Have you ever been camping? Uh, yes. Yes. We camped uh, together. I know we have. Then, which was only the second time I've ever, no, third time I've ever been camping. No, at that t- stage, second. You guys went camping. What with an me? interesting fact. You went camping with him. We went to the Meredith Music Festival. You should come this year. Yeah, Jess, you were yeah. invited. You were invited. I mean, no, I, I mean, camping. Oh, camping is probably yes, it's it. Was it glamping? Were you glamping? We were glamping. Well, it's not really glamping. It's I've just never like, heard of glamping, but I think... It's glam camping. I don't think it is glamping. It's music festival camping, which means you go to bed for about two hours and drink every other moment you're awake. Oh, man. Is it, that glamping? Is gla- <laughs> glamping sounds like it'd be like glittery. No, glamping's just like... It's, it stands for glamorous camping. Yeah, it's luxurious. luxurious. Oh, I was thinking like glam rock. I literally <laughs> said glamorous camping Whoa, before. Oh, yeah. In which case, yeah, it kind of would be. Great. You sleep in a motley crew tent. Is this uh, was it was this the incident when you uh, peed so much that you got was it eleven oh, dips see, in there? That was the third time. That was see, the next time. I'd never been camping except one time in in high school. We went on a year eleven camp, so mm-hmm. that's probably not even proper camping. Then I went to this music festival with Matt, and then the month later I went to the Falls Music Festival, and that's when I set that record Great. for the most dips in a Porter Loo. What happens if you haven't heard that one? <laughs> we've got is um, Portaloos in Australia where you, you piss onto a paddle, and uh, every time it gets a, enough weight on the paddle, it dips. And I did about three times as many dips as anyone else, despite being one third of their size. Well That's got to be it. That can't be an Australian only thing. That paddle thing's no, but I just think there's there's different types of Portaloo. I mean, I've even experienced a different type. Hey, Dave, you know how you write super long reports? I feel like we are getting bogged down. Okay, okay. So, well, we'll get into into this incident. Yes. Which does involve camping and a tent. Well done, Matt. Uh, But before we do that, we have to give a shout out to not one, not two, but three listeners. Oh, yeah, For requesting this topic. In the order they came through, we have uh, Dylan Byrne. Dylan! At Blackburn, B-Y-R-N-E, at Blackburn on Twitter. Thanks, We've got uh, Chris Brown. Chris! So you got a black and a brown so far. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so fucked. It does. Oh, hang on. 
Also, I thought you were going to make and a joke that it's... Uh, Stephen White! <laughs> I thought you were going to make the joke that uh, it's like Chris Brown, and I was going to say it's neither the rapper nor the Bondi vet. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was going to make a Chris Brown joke. Chris but Brown, then... but it's Brown with an E on the end, and this is his at ardent underscore drub. Drub, cool. I like that. Thank you, Chris. On Twitter. And then... Please someone with surname a, White. Without a, without a surname, which we shall dub Sir White, <laughs> Brett White Brett. from email. Brett Whiteley. No, Brett White. Brett White. There you go, Matt. You've got the whole spectrum. You happy? We well, I mean, as far world. as spectrums go, we are the it's not exactly a rainbow, is it? Brown, <laughs> black, and white. Yeah, we'll leave him, leave him hanging there. All right, so we're going to... Sounds laughter. It is a long topic, so thank you, Dylan, Chris, and Brett, for baiting me into this. Uh, let's get into the Dietalov Pass incident. So, background... The year was 1959. The month was January. And in Sverdlovsk, there are a lot of Russian words in I'm this not because let that it one is down. in the middle of Russia, is where this story takes place. Okay. Then the Soviet Union, so heart of the Cold War. Some students from Ural Polytechnical Institute, which is like a uni, decided to go on a very physically challenging hiking slash ski trip and climb Mount. Wanahatalugi. Ot- <laughs> well, it's called Mount Ototon. Mount O'Torton, mm-hmm. which in the indigenous Mansi language, the people that live in this area, uh, O'Torton translates as do not go there. Okay, well... Perhaps warning sign of the incident, number one. Number one, yeah, I would say, if I, if, like, if in English, if, if we were going to a, a mountain, if you guys wanted to go on a camping trip, for example, and actually invite me this time, and you were like, Jess, we're going to go camping on Mount Stay the Fuck Away, <laughs> I'd be like... Like, what dates now, nah, busy? Nah. Why did oh. they set up a musical music festival there? <laughs> so this is perhaps a warning sign, but the, the trip consisted of ten people. Ten people. Eight guys, two girls. All very experienced hikers and skiers. So let's meet them now. I'm going to go through and give a, a brief background on all ten of these people. Should I take notes on all ten of these people? You kind of be like, what, because their names are Russian and often quite similar, I'm just going to refer to them as their first... Sure. First names. Yep. Just otherwise, I'm going to offend a lot of Russian people. Okay. <laughs> Matt just showed me his piece of paper, and he's just written his name down a lot of times. Good on you, Matt. Good. Ma- good. The name Matthew will not come up once. Good to have you on board. <laughs> not a very Russian name. <laughs> Matt, are you bloody listening over there? Through Good. <laughs> good. Okay, we got him. Okay, so there's ten of them now. So the leader and the blue ninja turtle off the group... <laughs> There's a man named Igor Dyatlov. He's the one that this incident is named after. Oh, okay. It's the namesake. Interesting. Dyatlov Pass, named after Igor Dyatlov. Igor is a great name as well. So he is the leader of the group. It is great, isn't it? He was 22 years old, studying radio engineering, of which he was very gifted and even designed his own radios. Oh, hello. People who knew Igor described him as a thoughtful man who never rushed with his decisions. Apparently, he had a thing going on, or was at least trying to court fellow hiker... Zena. Okay, so there's a possible mm-hmm. thing going on there. Mm-hmm. He was a very experienced athlete and had planned and led many trips before. He sounds like a total fox. T- total cat. And you can see photos of all these people and he is a bit of a fox. Mm. 22. How You said they're all experienced, but I mean... How experienced can you be at 22? Well, I think the thing is that they grew up in this very cold, snowy place, so they've probably been skiing since... Probably before they could walk. Much like, oh, yeah, so they've got a bit of toboggan experience. All right, mate. Much like Dave and I grew up in the affluent east, so we have plenty of experience spending, spending money. Spending money, that's right. Withdrawing money. 
spending money and begging our parents for more money. Yeah, daddy. That's how I do it. Daddy. Oh, daddy. (laughs) Hashtag my dad's wallet. (laughs) Uh, Then we have Zena herself, is the girl I was talking about before. Mm -hmm. Also 22, also studying radio engineering. So so they're a match made in heaven. Got a lot in common. So cute. With Igor. Uh, she was also very experienced, and as a testament to how much of a badass she was, so a lot of these people are quite badass, we'll cool. say this. During a previous trip, she was bitten by a viper, uh-huh. very dangerous snake, and despite her injury, refused to lighten her load. She didn't want to increase the the other stuff that her friends had to carry, so she just soldiered on after being bitten by a snake. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, I've been there. Once I was bitten by two vipers, and I said, well, actually, give me your bag, Cena, because... Double my load. I'm whatever. I'm fine. I am feel better than I ever have. And then I died. <laughs> but you died a noble, noble man. Yeah. A True. noble, auburn-haired man. Igor came in and stole your girlfriend. I will not forget my hat again. <laughs> This is why I don't. This is why I wear a hat because I'm sick of being teased for my auburn, auburn hair. You're gorgeous. You're bloody gorgeous. Wish I could pull off that colour. Anyway, do go on. I wish I had hair. <laughs> Are you Donations imagine- coming. Yeah, please, Matt. Please, you're growing it for me, right? Um, other lady in the group was called Lyod Miller. Less cool than Zena. Lyod Miller. 21 years old, studying engineering and economics. Double major. Lyud. Mm. Is Miller... M-I-L-A. All part of the name? Yeah, so all, this is just her first name. Lyud. Lyud. L-Y-U-D. L-Y-U-D. Lyud Miller. Interesting, interesting. Also a goddamn badass. And not wanting to be outdone by Zena's or Matt's two fiber injuries. <laughs> On a previous trip, she had suffered a gunshot wound. <laughs> when so- someone was cleaning their gun and accidentally shot her. Well, you know what? Um, one time when I was hiking, someone was cleaning two guns. <laughs> Have I told you this before? Yeah, you said it on episode two. Oh, sorry. No, yeah. but new listeners, please continue the story. What happened after you two guns, two guns that were being cleaned? Oh, and they, well, I mean, safely, they, I imagine. Yeah, they cleaned them really good. Great shine out of them. Um, yeah, it was actually it was really good. I remember that day well for just how clean those guns were, and uh, we all we all got to the peak of the mountain safely. Interesting. Yeah, great. Oh, and also I <laughs> fucked the snake. <laughs> <laughs> what a pullback and reveal. Oh. I don't think even he knew those words were going to come out of his mouth. Surprise myself. <laughs> um, okay, so she got shot. Been shot. Apparently was in good spirits, and made, in good spirits and made jokes about it the whole way home. So I would it, fucking make that guy carry my bag. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Dick, remember when you shot, shot me? me? Yeah, I think first round on you at the pub. Yeah, he definitely has First round of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> it's crisp. Uh, we have Alexander. Classic name. 25, mm-hmm. studying physics. Before going to back to study after school, he had worked with metal and worked in a secret institute for the Ministry of Medium Machine Building. Medium Machine Building? <laughs> yeah, it's very hey, good. can you very build so a machine for me? How big is it? It's pretty large. No. Nah. No. Nah, sorry. Nah, don't. Sorry. Not qualified. Nah. It's, no. It's no. Just something really small. No. Will not touch it. Don't. Okay. Don't um, denigrate me. Don't offend me I will by only asking do medium. me to build a microwave. This is what he Goldilocks of, uh, of machine builders. This <laughs> guy. Am I right? Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Building, Has he been shot or bitten? No. But the building, don't the, care. the Ministry of Medium Machine Building, it was called 
known because it was a secret, and this is the USSR. It was merely known by a serial number. I work at 3394. Cool. Less and cool than being bitten or shot. He was also a ski instructor. Oh, okay. That's a bit sexy. Pretty cool. Hey, do you know where Lyod was shot? Like, where in her body? I don't know. Where do you want to guess? Um... I'd say... Arm? Prob- probably not face. Yeah, I'm guessing something like And no, like, like a, vital organ, probably. Yeah, Leg? probably like top of, top edge of the arm. Yeah. Maybe... Uh... <laughs> All right, well, here's another question. Where would you choose to be shot if you could? Someone's got a gun They said oh. million bucks. Where would you take the bullet? I reckon through like... Um... Oh. Are you pointing to your stomach? I'm cause... thinking like, you know, if you could avoid any bones or organs is where you want... So you're, arms, you're pointing to where your kidney is. Or is yeah, I'm, no, I'm just like just the very edge. I'm gonna, I'll be like this and go shoot that. <laughs> Matt is pulling just out his skin just above his hip. Just shoot through that, and then I'll chuck a bloody bandaid on it. and We'll get on with this. It still hurt. Like oh, it hurt. But a lot I mean, of recovery time. I'm thinking, what would like, what wouldn't? So if I got shot in the leg, for example, then you couldn't move or you couldn't walk all that comfortably. So maybe arm. But right arm, because I'm left-handed. I don't know if I've mentioned that at all on this podcast ever <laughs> you before. You haven't in a little while. Yeah, I haven't. Um, oh, Dave? It's really, it's, I don't know. Like every, I am just bone, so there's no way to avoid one. Mm. Like I can't mm. pull out a bit of skin on the side right, and sell mate. them to shoot it. All right. Jeez, sorry. An old tub's over here. But like here, everything, <laughs> like I look, even I'm like, oh, maybe my hand. And I'm no. like, oh, no. Because that wouldn't heal very well, and then you wouldn't be able to use that hand. I'm trying to think of what will heal quickly and... You know, not do any damage. I'm going to go upper arm. Upper arm, yeah, just off the edge there. Yeah, All that's right. what they uh, do. What in about the um, exactly? Oh, and they I know keep what I running. Want. I'd get um to my earlobe, and I want the bullet really small. Oh yeah, earring size. You'd look so dumb with an earring, though. So. <laughs> yeah, I could yeah, fair that. enough. I should probably take you I in could, the leg. <laughs> should I could picture Dave with a little little oh, diamante no. stud? No, even worse, like a pirate earring, like a really big one. <laughs> even worse, done that? even worse than a than a. Then a little diamante, is it? All right, back to the crew. We've got a couple more to go. Um, playing the m- mandolin and providing the soundtrack to the trip. This is me on this trip, oh, isn't it? You so are, with yeah. your little ukulele. Yeah. Uh, was Rustem, R-U-S-T-E-M, Rustem. He's uh, 24 and the son of a wealthy professor and the character that I associate myself most with because of the wealth. <laughs> I... Rustum, R-U-S-T-E-M. But I, um, the reason I, because I feel like he's probably one of the most useless. That's why I was like, yeah, this is me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, but I got my mandolin, you guys. Oh, fuck off, Rustum. Which, which was a treasured item on the on the journey. It was really? the source of a lot of their entertainment was singing their own songs. Ugh. Get an iPod. Yeah. Good. Bluetooth speakers. Do we know when this is? 1959. Yeah, I wrote yeah. it down because I wasn't writing Matt Stewart all over yeah. a piece of what, paper. Was that the second or third generation of the iPod came out that Christmas? Come on. Come on. 1959. Also on the trip was Yuri K. Oh, yes. I love the Yuri name K. Yuri. Yuri. While working in a secret nuclear facility, he experienced a disaster that became known as the Kushtumkoi accident. It was the third, and still it's the third most serious nuclear accident ever recorded behind the Fukushima disaster and... Chernobyl, that we've already spoken of. Mm. Um, Yuri K was one of the people sent to clean it up. He had recently graduated from the university, so this was the, before he went back to uni, he mm. cleaned up nuclear stuff. Cool. Then we have Yuri D. Oh, is it two Yuris? He's the second of three ha- Yuris. <laughs> oh, yes! How many people... Yuri I'm suddenly bored with this list. Is there many of these to go? No, there's like 
Two more after this. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Matt, Matt's I'm, hungry. I'm trying to paint a bloody picture here. Yeah, well, you're painting a list and it's boring. <laughs> I don't think it is. I think it's great. Well, when you start writing the best reports, you can comment. Yeah, uh, we have Yuri D, second of three Yuris. He had been dating Xena, <gasps> but they had broken up. Oh, Apparently, they were quite no. serious. He'd even met her parents, oh. which in 1959 Soviet Union is probably a big deal. But apparently they're still on good terms, despite the fact that the leader of the group is now hitting, hitting on, on his, his old lady. Mm. So that's Yuri D. Third and final Yuri is Yuri Yudin. I was going to call him Yuri Y, but I think Yuri Yudin is such a great name that I want to call him that. Yeah. Yuri Yudin. At 22, he was a fourth year student who had a few physical and medical problems, of which we'll talk about later. Talk about oh, that later. It's a problem. I'm just going to write problems. Problem child. Yuri Yudin. Problem child, okay. And our 10th and final member of the expedition, who at 37 was oh. much, much older than the rest, and the most mysterious of the oh, group. Oh, no. This guy killed them all. <laughs> and without Almost a doubt. Almost definitely. <laughs> if that's what happens. <laughs> something bad's going to happen. There's an incident. <laughs> I bet the old man. Oh, wait. He doesn't fuck them all, does he? <laughs> oh, Dave. Well, I'm about to tell you. He has the, he's the most mysterious. He has the best name of the group. It's it is, fuck them all. It's, well, it's apparently pronounced semen, but it's spelled <laughs> semen. S-E-M-E-N. Semen. And he's 30 what? 37. 30, oh so 12 years older than the closest one. Because uh, before, I think it was uh, Alexander who was 25, and I was like, yeah. ooh, oldest Ooh-oh. of the group so far. Oh, <laughs> and then no. it's like, no, we got semen. <laughs> we got semen on the wing. Oh, what is semen? I've got a bad feeling about semen. Well, I'll... <laughs> let me let me put those at ease. Um, he's a native of uh, the North Caucasian Cuban, Cuban Cossacks, who survived the Great Patriotic War, which is what Russians called World War Two. Mm. He served for five years. Survival rate for people born in his generation and went to the front was three percent. Wow! So he's a fi- and he was fighting for five years. He was a very <coughs> very lucky man. Oh my goodness! Or slash man. talented, fighter. or an amazing fighter. Uh, he had many tattoos hidden around his body, which was quite um, different for the time. Mm. And he's a bit of a tough guy. Okay. Ooh, I kind of like yeah, semen. Yeah, look, I've, <laughs> I've, come, I've, I've come around to semen as well. I think first, I'm, bo- I'm on board. At first I hated semen, but now I'm all about semen. Yeah, Aww. I can get around semen. I'm not going to comment on him much. Comment on semen? Yeah, I'm not going to comment on semen. Okay, now we're going to go. So th- that's the list, Matt. I'm sorry that was so boring for you. <laughs> Mate, well, it was a good chance to have a little nap. Did, anyway. it, did it pick up at the end when I talked yeah, about semen? Yeah, semen was great. Good. Semen saved. Save the best for last. Honestly, when you got into a... You were basically... You were listing people named Yuri for a while. So, I mean, <laughs> when it came back to semen, I was... Yeah, I was back on I just wanted you to imagine this group of cool young people plus semen. And uh, so I'll just give a, a background of what they were doing. I've got you to visualize... Oh, I've got to get you to visualize on a map where this is. So, mm-hmm. if you imagine Russia, which, as we all know, is huge. the biggest country in the world. Mm-hmm. The region we're talking about is about three quarters of the way west. So you okay. go towards Europe. Yep. Above Kazakhstan. Uh-huh. And about halfway up the map of Russia. So okay. it's on the edge of Siberia, which is pretty isolated and cold and I knew that. I knew it was in Siberia when you said uh you talked about the native Mossacks. The Marsi people. Marsi people. Oh, do you know much about them? No, I was just I was looking them up recently in one of my trivia jobs and they because uh, there was a question about um, a dog named after 
native Siberian. Oh. oh, that's really cool. Do you know how I knew it was near Siberia? At the point in the sentence where Dave said <laughs> it's near, Siberia. near the border of Siberia. That's where I was like, hang on. I reckon this might be near Siberia. But that's just my geography knowledge, so. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Remembered where, uh, remember when you guys didn't know where the Middle East was? I still don't. <laughs> this is not that far from there. I mean, the middle. it is a tricky thing. Middle East, Central Asia... And what else was there? There were all these. I, I, yeah, good. My geography, My geography is, very is bad. slightly better than Jess's. Slightly, but you, you know what this is? It's sort of uh, what well, I've got to ma- ima- get you to imagine. Pretty much, it's in the middle of Russia, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. What's the closest uh, city we've heard? Siberia. Of? <laughs> um, I feel like you answered that before you heard the question. I did. <laughs> well, it's a long way away from like Moscow and St. Petersburg, which is which is all on the west, right on the west. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it's just like... You'd have to drive for a couple of days to get there. Russia no, I think so your explanation big. before was excellent. It made me visualise it. I got it. And now I know... And even me being awful at geography... You know where they are. I get it. Great. I know where they are. Perfect. I could find them is what I'm saying. Give me a helicopter. I'll go find them. Now, they lost. Also, please teach me to fly a helicopter and then I'm done. Now, you know where they are. I know where they are. The next question is, what motivates a group of kids to go out into the elements of harsh winter? By the way, it's winter time. Fucking idiot. On the edge of Siberia, in the middle of nowhere, and the answer is they're all members of a uni sport club. Okay. So no. they were, Well, there's your first mistake. And they okay. were referred to as tourists. Don't t- ever get involved in, in a uni, uni club. clubs of any kind. Okay? Or do, sports. Do what I did. Make one friend at university. Um, <laughs> the 37-year-old man named Seaman. <laughs> Seaman. Oh, Jess and Seaman had a lot of great times at uni. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, maybe that, that was just me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. This is going to get awful. Now, so the group is... Uh, people that go on hikes in Russia at the time are referred to as tourists. Oh, okay. It's, just, it's not like what, what we imagine the word means. It's just people that go on these crazy big hikes. Uh, the route... In February, which is when they were going to go off, was estimated as a Category 3, which is the most difficult kind of route you can go on. I don't understand why this is fun for people. Challenge yourself, Jess. Well, they were doing it to get a Masters of Sports certificate, which is like... I don't know. I've like, mastered. I've clocked sport. Yeah, it's pretty much the I've you, mastered sport. Everybody, you got to do this crazy big journey, and then you come back, you prove that you did it, and then the uni goes, "Great, here's the certificate." Now maybe you can be a teacher of this. I don't know. Who gives did, a fuck? You did a whole episode about clocking Everest not yeah, too long ago. It's the same thing, but kids <laughs> and I'm, semen. I'm not saying it was a good idea of theirs. Okay, I'm not a fan of. Uh, it's cold in Melbourne at the moment. And we're in a studio, and I I feel like we're kind of heroes for podcasting in these conditions, okay? Last week, I was wearing gloves. Mm. My nose is really cold right now, but I'm I'm a fucking hero is what I'm saying. Trooping on. I'm a trooper. I'm just saying these people... <laughs> do troop on. Do troop on. These people had an option to just stay inside and play chess. And Dave's over there cleaning guns, and that's not stopping you. <laughs> I'm fucking a snake over here, and you seem to be non... Non-plussed. Anyway, please, Dave, do go on. Um, I'll stop getting angry at innocent children. So th- their target is to get to the top of Mount... Wanahakalugi. Don't go there, that mountain. Yeah, Mount... Which is... Stay the fuck away from here. It is a 1,234-metre mountain, which I enjoy that. One, two, three, four. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. I like that. Uh, the previous year, Dyatlov himself, mm-hmm. Igor, had led a different group on these very similar route, if not the same route. So when they left, they were pretty confident that the journey would go off without a hitch. Had Seaman been on that route? 
There was no semen on the previous route. It was a dry route. <laughs> route means boning in Australia. Oh, yeah. Is that a thing? I think that's a thing anywhere else. Uh, money was tight for the group, although they'd been given some money by the university to do the trip. And their daddies. And their daddies. Well, only one of them, the son of the professor, is rich. Everyone else, I think, is pretty working class. Rustum. Well, I say working class. I mean, Soviet Union. So everyone earns the same, right? Uh, They packed as much food and supplies as they could, including three kilograms of salt, which to me sounds like a lot of salt. And remember, this isn't 1990s Turkmenistan where salt is free. It's communist Russia. I imagine salt costs quite a lot. What are they using salt for? They salt the snow. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, Matt. Oh, I was going to say this. If I learn anything from Home Alone, is that the scary old man salts driveways for some reason. I think it it stops the... Because salt melts snow. But I don't. Th- I said it's a lot, but I think you're going to need a lot more than three kilos to note to um, melt the Ural Mountains. Maybe it's just to like when they're pi- setting up their tents or something, or just cleaning their driveway of their yeah. <laughs> their new tent, their first property. Tent. Yeah. yeah, put up your little driveway in your letterbox. Yeah, was well, how people <laughs> Every- send you notes everywhere they go. They set up a letterbox. Oh, that'd be cute. <laughs> no junk mail. Hey Dave, <laughs> something that's been troubling me is that you gave Igor the title of Blue Turtle. And no one else other oh, Matt. turtle. Or... It's because if you remember way back to the first episode, the blue turtle is my favourite and the only one I care about. Okay. Well, I'm going to say that. No. Um... You had a go at him for making the list. All right. So and Donatello now you is Yuri. The list. Yeah. Donatello is Yuri K. Michelangelo is Yuri Y. And Yuri Yudin can be Raphael. Great. Are we done. Happy? Nailed it. Is he? He's the one who's a little bit. Yeah, he's not very cantankerous. His body is not up to the journey. Oh no! Is that? Are you like? Is that a oh, clue? Oh, you're foreshadowing. You for- Thank you. I couldn't think of the word foreshadowing. I may be foreshadowing oh. or I may be throwing out the old red herring oh. or a purple Donatello herring. Um, so now they've got to get there. All the information in the next part is based on diaries that the group kept. Oh, dear diary. Dear diary. Wait, are you saying that there was no... If it was all diaries, does that mean no one was able to... Tell the I story? No, they just published their diaries afterwards. They... It is, oh. I will say, now we're going to get into the episode, it's it's another mystery, baby. Oh, no! It's a mystery. Is it, are we going to be just frustrated and unsatisfied at the end? Possibly. Damn oh. it. Or oh, maybe right. we're going to solve it here tonight. Yeah, we, we've done that in the past. We've done that. We've solved many <laughs> mysteries. We're like Scooby-Doo. Um, so they set off on January 25th, 1959, leaving their town. They travelled north by train, and then they got on a bus. Then they had to hire a truck before their hiking and skiing could begin. Another guy called Nikolai Popov, <laughs> Popov, who had already graduated uni, was supposed to meet them on the first train, but he missed it. Mm. And I will say, foreshadowing again, that this was a stroke of luck mm-hmm. for Popov. Mm-hmm. On the train, the group amused themselves with the music of the mandolin. And Seaman, the older man that no one knew that well, so he was just an extra person. He was going to go on a journey with other people, but for some reason that journey didn't go ahead, so he asked Dyatlov if he could come along. Mm. And at first they were a bit wary of this older man, but he impressed them all because he knew songs on the mandolin that they'd never heard before because he's a bit older, he's been to the war. And you've got to remember that this... the government Easily impressed. No, I was, I was going to say... Oh, you, you can play songs I've never heard of. That's not impressive. Well, I've got to say, the government at the time wouldn't let people listen to radio and music, so that's the only songs that you play yourself. That's all the entertainment all right, I'm in. I'm impressed. Okay. I've come around. It's their only form of entertainment. And they could that watch... That is impressive. They could watch some black and white movies. At one of the stations, Yuri K, 
mm-hmm. was grabbed by a policeman for singing and disturbing the peace of other passengers. Classic Yuri K. It's kind of like the 1950s uh, communist equivalent of that annoying person on the tram that plays music out loud on their iPhone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was nearly arrested for it. But he was eventually let go, talked his way out of it, and the group continued on. Now, the area they were travelling through had many military facilities and prison camps, so it's not surprising security was pretty tight. Mm-hmm. At the halfway point, they had a whole day to kill in between trains. Yuri Yudin was in charge of the diary, and he hoped that they could kill time by visiting a local factory. Were they sharing the diary? <laughs> yeah, so every day they each take it in turns, and then they sign off, and they oh, write little that's notes. that's a bit cute. It is very cute. But he's like, guys, I've we've got, got a, a whole idea. day... <laughs> So Let's check like, out a factory. Well, that's that's I know it's kind of like what communist like he's because he's a hardcore communist. Tell like, me it was a box factory. Well, I'm really sorry to disappoint you and Yuri Yudin because what they did to pass time was run training drills, also what communists did for fun. Oh my god! And at midday they visited a local school, so Yudin didn't know. Why never went to a? What was the point in visiting the school? Well, they uh, seamen probably wanted to just be near some kids. <laughs> well, they, they were near a lot of kids because in a very cramped room, they gave a lecture what? of what they were doing to all the kids. Why? The kids were a bit. Appre- I love this sentence. Makes sense now. The kids were a bit apprehensive of seamen, <laughs> so they were scared of the guy, older guy. But they particularly loved Zena, and after two hours, the kids didn't want him to leave. So they did this two-hour like story because the kids are pretty fascinated. They're going on this journey, and they told them what they were doing and all this, all the details. The kids liked them so much that the whole school accompanied them to the station to see them off. Oh, my God. So you've probably got a couple hundred kids. Bye! Bye, seamen! <laughs> see you later, seamen. <laughs> but it got a bit awkward at the station, though. When the group... Uh, when the group... Uh, what they describe as a local al- alcoholic... This is in the diary. A, a local a alcoholic. Local accused them of stealing his wallet. So for the second time in a day, the police came down... Mm. The group were cleared of any wrongdoing and they got on the train to go. Although it must have been weird for the kids, like they're waving off their heroes <laughs> and then the police have to come down and they all get arrested. What's going on? Where's Seaman and Zena going? <laughs> uh, on their 5.5 hours train trip, the group had, quote, garlic bread and no water. Okay, well, you, had me, at, you had me at garlic bread, but I would want some sort of beverage. I don't know why they, didn't, they commented they, had, they didn't have water. What drink would you have to go with garlic bread? Garlic bread, mm-hmm. um, probably an, probably like a, a light red wine, maybe like a Pinot Noir. <laughs> oh, now you're talking. Great choice. I was going to go like a soft drink, like a Coke or something, but um, or a beer maybe, but fuck, a Pinot Noir. Now we're talking. Mm. <laughs> Look, I know a thing or two about stuff, so... <laughs> you um, are the, you're the seaman of this group. Yeah, <laughs> The older, bearded, mysterious man that's just always I know, there. I know, I know a thing or two. I know a few mandolin I know, tunes. I know songs you've never heard. Hmm? <laughs> if you catch my drift. <laughs> oh, they got to their destination, Vichy, after a bus trip. And I love the tone of their diary. Quote, slept in a so-called hotel. Two people per bed. Alexander and Yuri slept on the floor between beds. Woke up at 9am. Everyone sleep well, despite the fact we did not completely close the small window and the room got a bit cold because the outside temperature is minus 17 degrees Celsius. Great. Who forgets to close the window when it's minus 17 outside? That's how used to the cold these kids are. And you know how I was complaining about how it's cold here? I'm just pulling up my weather app. Um, (laughs) At the moment in Melbourne, it is 11 degrees Celsius. (laughs) 
And so, I'm like, it's bloody freezing. That's pretty cold. So just imagine this weather, minus 28, and you keep the sleep with the window open. Can you tell us what 11 uh, is in Fahrenheit? No. Cool. <laughs> um, so minus 17 in Fahrenheit is 1.4 degrees. Oh, well, that's not so crazy. That's quite cold. It's very cold. And then what's uh, what's Jess's, what's well, our no, current temperature in Fahrenheit for our Fahrenheit no, no, friends? D- sorry, I think, Matt, you've misunderstood. It's minus 17 degrees Celsius, <gasps> which in Fahrenheit is 1.4. Yeah, see, that's oh, what I was, yeah, right. he did say Celsius. So, so it's, Fahrenheit yeah, is... Yeah, so all the temperatures I'm going to read out are in Celsius. Okay. Sorry, Americans. Just, so, just you, Google it. I think you're going to have to... 11, 11 degrees is 51 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've got right now. Right and now. they had one degree Fahrenheit. Uh, they had breakfast at the hotel, and Dyatlov said, if the tea is cold, then go out and drink it on the street. Then it will be hot. What? Because it's so cold outside that oh, even if you've got a, a cold a cold tea, tea be... if you go outside for in Okay, so he's minute. the leader of the group That's and the joker. group comedian. And he wrote that joke down, so he obviously likes his own jokes. No, he did not write it down. What mm. a weirdo. Jess, can we go through your notebook? Nope. <laughs> Let's read them out. <laughs> Dear Diary. At the podcast tonight, I had a classic zigger. <laughs> uh, the next part of the journey was on the back of an open flatbed truck. So they were exp- just like ACDC in their classic film clip, A Long Way to the Top, which was filmed in the streets of the Melbourne CBD. <laughs> yes. Great. I'm glad Matt's finding a way to, to uh, you know, Is that your, um, the kids. your play school voice? <laughs> I don't know what that was. I liked it. Thank you. Uh, so they're on the back of an open truck, which is kind of crazy because they're exposed to the freezing elements for three hours. Ugh. So it's in this minus 17 degrees. Although they were very rugged up, it was understandably brutally cold. The group tried to keep their spirits up with more mandolin songs <laughs> and heated discussion about love and their frustration about the lack of cure for cancer. That's all in the diary. What? That's in the diary. So they're talking about love and the, the cure, cure for, for cancer. cancer. Nah, fair enough. What's your favourite mandolin song? Um, that got to be that REM one. Yeah, that's the only one I can think me of. Me too. Well. Losing my religion. Great tune. Yeah, I, me too. Wow, unanimous. <laughs> Top one hundred. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Triple J's hottest one hundred mandolin songs. They of probably all time. have done that list. E- either that or one of the, something from Robin Hood days. Is that mandolin mm, style? No, I think that's it a, was lute. a lute. Lute. <laughs> Same diff. Wow, many mandolin players out there are so offended right yeah. now. How Which is dare. a large percentage of our fan base. Huge percentage. We're, we're huge in the mandolin fan base page on Facebook. Ugh, go on. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, The cold particularly affected poor old Yuri Yudin, who had previous back and leg problems, which are exacerbated by the freezing temperatures. So his body's not doing too well. He's only 22 years old and he's got back and leg problems. Yeah, he's got like a history of it. Oh, he's the one who's got uh, problems. He's got problems in his mind and his body. Uh, They stayed in another hostel and the next day they made an agreement with the locals to hire a guide and a horse to get them to their next stop, which was an abandoned settlement. What was the horse's name? (laughs) Yuri. (laughs) 
What a weird coincidence. That's the fourth Yuri in the gang. Yuri Horse. <laughs> no. That was how they told him apart. Otherwise, <laughs> Yuri K. Yuri K. You're looking at the horse again, mate. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. He looks so similar. <laughs> Uh, so they're standing in an abandoned settlement, which is a little bit scary, mm-hmm. a little bit Scooby-Doo again. Uh, it had been used by geologists <laughs> uh, when they were work- working in the remote area, but it was no longer occupied, so it's pretty much an abandoned cabin in the woods. Cool. That seems like just the kind of place I'd like to be on just holiday. Just trying to get the spook factor going on here. Of the 25 buildings in the settlement, only one wasn't falling down, so it was very oh. lucky they were able to find it, because by the time they got there, it was dark, very, very cold. They started a fire to keep warm. Another quote from the diary. Several people pierced their hands with old nails. Everything is good. Then the horse came. We were talking and throwing jokes till three o'clock in the morning. There you go. It's a very disjointed diary. (laughs) Several people pierced their their hands. hands. Everything is good. Then the horse came. (laughs) Then the horse came. I like it a lot. Where did the horse come from? Matthew. Uh, Yuri Yudin was getting worse, and by now... Wait, Yuri Yudin is the horse, right? No, that's Yuri Horse. Oh, sorry. You know that, Jess. <laughs> oh? Uh, Yuri Yudin, the man, not the horse, was getting worse, and by now had developed sciatica. Imagine if the horse had it. Oh, he's having a good chuckle about this poor man's poor... What's sciatica again? Uh, it's a medical condition of pain going down the down leg, the, leg oh. the lower, lower back. back. Everyone knows Thanks that. Thanks for asking. <laughs> oh, that's no good. He decided he would not be able to continue and he had to head home. Oh, that sounds Yuri. like a stroke of luck. I know, but the, at the time, the girls in particular were very sad to see Yuri go. Why? <laughs> Why were they so sad? Was he one of the hot ones? Yeah. And there's actually a, a, like a, well now, a very sad photo of them hugging him goodbye. And he would be the only one of the ten people to ever be seen alive again. Oh. Just threw that in there to try and build the suspense. Well, no, you haven't I built mean, the you suspense. Killed, like you killed, killed it. The suspense. Well, no, to build the. Well, now you're suspenseful. You're like, what happened? What's going to happen? Yeah, but now I know they're all well, they're gone. Gonna, they're all going to die. I think you gave that away. Yeah, no, no, Jesus. Not Yuri Yudin. Uh, in his later, in, in a later interview, Yudin. Yuri, mentioned an interesting dialogue between Dyatlov and one of the locals. He didn't hear the whole conversation, but he got the general idea that the local man warned Igor about something mysterious coming up. Igor brushed it off, brushed off the warning, but it seemed that it really pissed him off. When uh, Yuri approached him and asked, Hey, what did that guy say to you? Dyatlov simply answered that they will decide which path to take once they get to the river. Yuri thought this was strange as Dyatlov had, had planned the journey weeks before. So he felt like something that the, the local had said had rattled him a bit. So and, they, and the local that he was talking to, that was the horse. <laughs> that was Yuri's horse. Right? Right, okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't fully following, but now that I know that was a horse. Mm-hmm. The horse was like, I don't go it. up there. And, you're, and, and Igor was like, nah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I like it. I like Igor's attitude. Me too. Yuri Yudin had gone home now, so the next day was the first day of the hike. <laughs> that sounds brutal, doesn't it? Now Yuri's gone, we can start the fun. Hooray! <laughs> uh, right. hey. uh, fun hike. Uh, the groups got on their skis and started their trek. Uh, there was less snow than the year before, and they often had to stop and scrape the melting snow from their skis. So despite the fact that it's like minus 17, it's melting a bit. Oh. I don't really get that, but there you go. Uh, they spent their first night together in the tent, 
and sat around the campfire outside, again talking about love. Oh, okay. But this time, cancer was not mentioned. Weird. Weird. <laughs> Nobody wanted to sleep next to the portable stove in the tent, and to his annoyance, Yuri K was voted as the one who should. This is a diary quote. Yuri moves to the second compartment with terrible cursing and accusation that we betrayed him. Poor old Yuri Why doesn't he want to stay next to it? It sounds like that's warmer. And what a weird thing to be voted as the person who should do it the most. Surely it's more like a a volunteer. A volunteer or a shorter straw kind of thing. Not a. We all. Sorry, mate. We all voted on it. It makes the most sense for some reason. Mm. We like you the least. We don't like you. It all adds up. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's weird. weird. Everyone point at whoever you think should go in. Oh, oh you both pointed at me. Yep, you're Yuri K. Get in the tent. Fuck. Get in the stove. Sexists. Well, See, uh, I can always play that card, which is good. I was picturing that we we're going to point around in a circle, but it just didn't work out that way. Yeah. When you guys got each other. We just betrayed just. <laughs> you left me with nowhere to go. Uh, the tourists, I enjoy calling them that, continue their journey for the next few days. Everything goes off without much of a hitch. It's very cold, but they are prepared and used to it. Diary. Weather. Temperature in the morning is between minus 17 and minus 13 during the day. At night, it is minus 26 degrees. Oh, nope. Which... Perkins is out. We're still in the Celsius. Yeah, Celsius. So for our American listeners, that is minus 15 at night. Perkins is out. I'm not doing it. Nope. Yeah. You're calling it? Um, you, I'm... You're back with Yuri you Uden? Should, you Big could, time. Yeah, you should just ride Yuri Uden home. <laughs> I don't think he's back and hold out. Oh, the horse... Sorry, the horse got the bad back? Oh, that's Yuri Horse, oh, not okay. Yuri Uden. Well, this is getting very confusing. <laughs> Why do we decide to have a fourth Yuri? <laughs> well, from now on, we'll only, only refer to each other as Yuri. It's like... Um, Rook Nama all over again. Yeah, everybody's Yuri. They replaced Yuri. every word with Yuri. <laughs> Past the Yuri. Not the Yuri, Yuri. <laughs> the Yuri. Are you talking to me? No, I was talking to Yuri. To the horse? Oh, oh, no. That's my dad's name. <laughs> that was a nice little sketch you did there, Dave. Thank you. Thank you very much. You studied drama, I can tell. Yes, I did. According to their diary, even on a very cold day with low visibility, they walked about one and a half kilometres per hour. That's pretty slow. It is pretty slow. But maybe fast in the snow? The average person walks around 4Ks an hour. So, uh, but this but, is, uh, that's slow. So, but that's it? on the worst, the worst day yeah, when sure. the visibility is terrible. You can barely see in front of your face. They're really not moving far, though. Uh, that night on January 35th, they're... <laughs> 35th? <laughs> that night on January 31st, they are too cold to dig a pit for the fire as the snow cover is four feet or 1.2 metres thick. So it's quite deep. So they just... <laughs> Yuri? <laughs> Can you guys hear a helicopter? Yes. So the, the helicopter's name... Is also Yuri? It's very confusing. <laughs> you did ask for a helicopter before, Jess. Maybe that's it just arriving now. I did. I'll go find them. Oh, yeah. I know exactly where they are. <laughs> They're just Siberia. Okay, uh, They're just about halfway up Russia. Oh, yeah, all right, Captain, where are we going? Three quarters of Three the way. Three quarters of the, the way, way west, west. About halfway <laughs> near Siberia. You know. <laughs> it's in the Yuri Mountains. <laughs> um, so instead of um, doing a fire that night, they just uh, eat and spend the night in the tent. They didn't do a fire. Do a fire. <laughs> Well, He's been camping three times. He writes 4,700 words on a topic, and some of those words are 
do a fire. They didn't do a fire. Hey, I was ad-libbing that, which shall never happen again. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't do a fire. Don't never, never blame the script. Please. (laughs) Um, Script. At this time of year... The band? The whole whole episode is scripted, by the way. We're all reading. At this time of year, it gets dark about 5pm. Same in Melbourne. Also, right now. Right now. <laughs> it's not every day, but yeah. <laughs> on this day, uh, Igor Dyatlov also stashes some supplies high in a platform on a tree to make their ascent easier, they, including the mandolin. Oh. So they leave it. They leave it behind. Which is like their treasured possession. But It's just feeling Burke and Wills. They're hoping to collect these supplies on their return journey. So it's easier to get up the hill or the mountain, I should say, when they sure. come down. They grab everything. I'm going to guess. Just like Burke and Wills. They didn't collect those items. The next day, February 1st, the group continue on and only cover about 4 kilometres for the whole day, or 2.5 miles. They set a tent around 5pm on a slope slope of Colat Siakul, that's terrible, but uh, which is about 10 miles away from their final destination, which is the final destination, which which is Mount Autorton, don't go there, but Colat Sickle, the uh, mountain that I can't pronounce, its name translates as Dead Mountain. Or Mountain of the Dead. Seriously? Why are you going there? Where would you have gone, Jess? What mountain? Noosa. (laughs) Mount Noosa. Somewhere sunny? I would have gone Mount... (laughs) Mount Queensland. Mount Queensland is where I'm going. Mount... Mount... Mount Definitely will return from. (laughs) (laughs) I would go on Mount Comfortable Walk, but not too challenging. (laughs) Mount Slight Uphill Gradient is where I would... But Um, pretty views at the top. That's where I would go. Yeah, Mount Mount Hill. Mount, Mount Picnic. And there's little picnic baskets everywhere. You just have little snacks. Ooh. I like that. Mount first one to the top gets a million dollars. In brackets, but no one else has seen it before, so you can take your time and you'll still be the first one, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> That's my <moment. laughs> Oh no, I broke her again. She was enjoying it, you could tell, but when you said Dave in the name of the mountain, not to tell you your joke back, but that really tickled her. Because it's like, nobody else can do it. Oh man, I wish that was true. <laughs> that was very funny. Wasn't a solid minute of life like last time, but hey. Hey. you got to have goals. Exactly. <laughs> you got to have benchmarks. <laughs> uh, so on the side of this... um. Mountain of the Dead. It's been speculated. So they're not supposed to be camping there. Oh. It's been speculated that they plan to get over the pass, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, the route to the mountain and make camp for the next night on the opposite side. But because of bad weather conditions, including snowstorms and which decreased their visibility, they lost their direction a little bit and deviated west up towards the top of Dead Mountain. When they realized their mistake, the group decided to stop and just set up camp there on the side of the mountain rather than moving. Uh, back downhill to a forested area, which would have offered sh- shelter from the elements. Oh. And it's been speculated by Yuri Yudin that Dyatlov probably didn't want to lose the altitude they'd gained, like going back and then coming back the next day. Which is fair, I guess. Or he decided to practice camping on the mountain slope because they're going to need to do that eventually anyway. Sure. So it was a practice run, maybe. I guess both are quite reasonable excuses. All we know is that the group will never leave that slope. What? Something happened to them. Something that people have speculated about for decades since. 
What? So that, that, that was it? That's where they got to? Well, they got to... from there we have to cut from the diary to the search. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't like this, Dave. It's all becoming too real. They're on the side of the Is that because I painted such a great picture of what these people are like by listing their names, occupations, and character sense? Yes. (laughs) Dave, I... Oh, maybe you love them, and now I'm taking (laughs) them away. Oh, my God. I mean, you said that they were probably going to die, but I didn't... I still was kind of thinking you might have been playing. I thought you were going to say, joking... All the Yuris are still alive. Here they are. Come on in now. <laughs> we get to meet all the you, Yuris. Yuri gets a car. Yuri gets a car. Yuri gets a car. Yuri gets a salt lick. That's the horse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Three kilos of salt. Woo! We knew it would come in handy. Oh, my God. Okay, so they're on the side of Dead Mountain. Mountain of the Dead. Death so- Mountain awaits. Death was it, was on this it called mountain. Death Mountain before or after they died on the mountain? Ah, a, a good question. Um, no, before, before. So that's the local Mansi name for this area. <laughs> local Mansi. So it's already called all that. But it has been speculated that, well, I have read in places that the name is called that because it's such a remote place that no plants or animals live around that area. Oh. So it's Mountain of the Dead because it means you can't hunt and live there. Sure. So possibly that. But then there's been other room. I've read other places that no, it's because mysterious stuff has happened on this mountain before. Oh, creepy! Now, before leaving, Dyatlov had agreed that he would spend. Uh, he would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as they returned to Vichy, that halfway point. Mm-hmm. It was expected that this would happen no later than February 12. But Dyatlov had told Yuri Yudin before he went back that he expected to be a little bit longer. They're a bit behind time. And the 12th came and went, and no one immediately panicked as it's very difficult to put a date on these things. Mm-hmm. Often they're a few days off. But by the 20th of February, no one had heard anything, so the families started to worry. Oh. Obviously would. So the head of the uni uh, sent the first rescue groups, consisting mainly of volunteer students and teachers. Oh, shit. Doing long. But when they found nothing, the army joined them and deployed search planes and helicopters. and Helicopters? They, um, like I suggested. Like you did. Well, I mean, get me in a bloody helicopter. I'll go find them now. So, uh, is that going to be possible, Dave? Could we get? Yeah, can we do that? Do we have the budget for that? To go to, <laughs> to go and pick them up. Yeah, let's go pick them up. Let's go pick them up. Well, we know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> we can <laughs> we can point to them on a map. Yeah. They're probably a bit bloody chilly, I'd reckon. Yeah. Reckon they do. Turn the heater on in the helicopter. <laughs> So a search party. So there's all these different search parties going around, but a search party headed by fellow student Boris Slobkov. <laughs> that was such a cracker. Boris Slob. Boris Boris Slob was dropped on the mountain. He was dropped on the mountain that they were supposed to be. That was supposed to be their final destination. Mm. But uh, he found no sign of them, and he concluded they never made it that far, which was right. Correct conclusion, Boris. Then on February 25th, Slobkov and his group finally discovered the trail of skis that he assumed to be that of the Dyatlov group. The next day on February 26th, they discovered the tent on the slope. (gasps) Slobkov recognised the tent instantly as he had helped construct it a few years earlier. He made a big tent by sewing two tents together. Nice. So he was like, he instantly recognised that's the group's tent. They found the tent to be torn and empty of people. <gasps> Inside, however, all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. Oh my god, this is so creepy. Including all the food, 
All the foods untouched. Untouched. There's some slices of ham apparently just uh, sitting there so like they're about to eat it. Like they're about to eat it. I was thinking it could have been a bear, but a bear would have eaten the meat, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking too. Although I was like, it's a bear. he would have also eaten the people. Maybe. And there would have been blood. The Oh, you say like, you would have filled up on people, like when you fill up on Yeah, bread. maybe it was too full. You were saying... Yes. So this Russian guy had recognised the tent because he Boris. made it. Slobkov. So Slobkov, he knew them. He sent them out there. No, he's just a friend from the uni that's been on different trips. Right. He's part of this club. And then when... Uh, he was dropped on the mountain with other people from the uni, and then he they s- found some ski tracks, and then they tracked them, and then the next day they found right. the tent, and he instantly went, holy shit, that's the tent. That's... And then when they uh... went up to it, it, it was slashed open, and it had been partially covered with snow, as you would expect, you know, two and a half weeks later, but it was still intact on the inside, like they were about to come, you know, they could come back any time and start eating again. And uh, at oh. first, they just thought it had been slashed by someone else. But later on, when they examined the tent, someone noticed that uh, it had been cut from, from the, the inside. inside. Oh, <laughs> that's always the best for spooky things. Oh, if anything's coming, it's from, coming the inside, from the inside, it's always the house. So good. And the normal entranceway to and from the tent had been ignored. So they were still zipped up. But in the middle, that someone from the inside had slashed it. Eight or nine sets of footprints left by people who were wearing only socks, a single shoe, or even barefoot could be followed, leading down toward the edge of a nearby woods on the opposite side of the pass, about 1.5 kilometres to the northeast. So they had to make a quick getaway. I reckon Didn't one, have time of them, to put one of them's gone psycho. Yeah, who do you reckon that could be? Threatening to kill everybody, so he's like, they've slashed open and just run for it. Were there any semen stains? <laughs> No, semen fingerprints. Fingerprints, sorry. Semen fingerprints. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, However, after 500 metres or 1,600 feet, if you uh, people that work in feet, these tracks were covered with snow. I'm amazed they were even there at all. Yes, it is amazing that they were there for so long, two and a half weeks later. Even when you said they found their ski Ski tracks, I was like, what? As if. No, it's been two and a half weeks. That's amazing. Well, actually, it's been longer. It's been 23 days. Yeah, shit. See, how does that work? Because it's so pristine, there's no animals or anything to cover it. It's only snow. But maybe the snow, you know, it, it covers it equally. So. Equally, so yeah, that, like there's still little divots. Or something like that. Where feet. But it's amazing they can tell, like, if it's socks or barefoot. I mean, barefoot's probably obvious, with toes and stuff. But the difference between socks and shoes, I guess it'd be clear. But that's deeper just... imprints and stuff, yeah. yeah. They probably also just assumed that because their shoes were still back there. Yeah. From... <laughs> Yeah, cool. I think so. <laughs> I think from examining the trails, they re- recognised from the tracks that they'd all gotten out of the tent very quickly. Members of the group walked in a single file with a tall man, wa- tall man walking in the back. So he would step... Wait, step. they're w- walking in single file? Single file. His footprints, partially covered footprints of his friends who walked in front of him. They assumed it was just one of the group. Had, you know, if you run in a, in a straight line in single file, that different prints cover each other's. Overall, the path gave an impression of organised and uneventful descent down the slope of the mountain. Oh, man. However, several trails would deviate from the groups, the, from the general direction, and then rejoin the group. So they'd you know, sort of trail off a bit and then come back in the Are line. Are they drunk? Yuri Yudin would say that they had no alcohol apart from okay. uh, medicine, like rubbing alcohol for wounds on the trip. Okay. It feels like... So that, that's one of them's what taken them out and got, marched them out, right, in a single yeah. file. And then gone, you go, fetch me a... Twig. And then they run off and then come back. Thank you. Now you. 
you go and give me a give me a different twig. Different twig. <laughs> and they run off and they come back to the line. And, Thank you. You give me some, marching them along. You give me some snow. No, not that snow. Snow from over there. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> I love you all equally. Uh, the next morning, the search for the tent's occupants continued. They explored the valley of a local river when a tall cedar attracted their attention, so a very big tree. So they saw this big tree and they thought that um, the, the tree could provide a, the search party a better view of the mountain and surrounding locations. They're like, oh, let's go towards that tree and we'll climb it up. Uh, but both men approached the cedar and stopped because two bodies lay in the <gasps> snow and the remains of a fire were visible nearby. Who are you guessing? The two bodies were laid side by side in what looked like careful arrangement. I reckon... One's a Yuri. I reckon one's... At Oza. least one's a girl, if not both the girls. Xena and Yuri. It was Yuri D and Yuri K. Damn it! We are, we are, Damn it! We are down to only one Yuri and it's Fuck! a four. <laughs> Fuck! No! <laughs> not Yuri! Jeez, you, I know you take guessing games seriously. I just want to be right always. He's Louise. Was it Louise? <laughs> <laughs> As Yuri right. D and Yuri K, the two men were shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. Sexy. The branches on the tree were broken up to five metres high, suggesting that one of the skiers had climbed up to look for something, perhaps the camp, or climbed up to get away from something. Yeah. Same. Between the cedar and the camp, the searchers found three more corpses over the next couple of days. They found Dyatlov himself. Okay. Zena. Zena. And Rustam. Oh no, not with his, without his... Who seem to have died in poses suggesting they were attempting to get back to the tent. So wait, let, Something sorry, w- just going through the list. So you got Eagle's gone. Mm-hmm. Are you crossing him off? Yep. Zena's gone. Gone. Yep. Rustam, Rustam is gone. gone. Yuri... Rustam's gone. Yuri D and Yuri K. And, and Yudin's gone home. So we've got... Left, we've got Alexander, we've got Lloyd Miller. Lloyd? Yes, Lloyd Miller. And Seaman. And Seaman. That's all we got left. Oh, Seaman is firming. (laughs) And there's there's a fourth one. It'd be funny if now he's like, oh, I forgot to mention a person. Uh Uh-oh, looks like I forgot to mention one guy. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Is it another Yuri? I'm afraid it's not. It's a guy called Nikolai. Oh, look at me. You missed the train, that guy. No, it's a dis- there's another Nikolai. But if- oh, I forgot to say. Two Nikolais, three Yuris. And a partridge in a pear tree. I think Nikolai must have been a bit of a, a tough guy. He bought... Seriously, sans laughter for that. Fuck you Oh, guys. sorry. I was thinking... I was reading, I'm sure I, I laughed at you Nic- the first time you did that on a podcast. Have I done that before? Because I do it all the time. <laughs> it's one of your little catchphrases. Anytime you count something, I do it. And Dave, Dave, in the last two weeks or two of the last three weeks, has said it's oh, a Scooby Doo no, no. mystery. Or something. <laughs> yeah, Scooby Doo. I love mi- everything's a Scooby Doo mystery of today. Scooby Doo, and I think of, I think of mysteries. I think of Scooby Doo. And then I do a Scooby Doo impression that's very bad. God, we're so we're so predictable. Oh, we we are. All right. So I forgot this bloke called Nikolai. He's one of the four that they haven't found yet. Okay, so there's but, also Nikolai. But Dyatlov, Zena, and Rustam. They seem to have died in poses suggesting they were attempting to get back to the tent, something which would have been incredibly difficult in the pitch black night. Or just ever, because it's, it's so goddamn cold, and why would you leave the house? And also, um, they're not wearing shoes. Yeah, that, that would be... Oh, man, that would be the worst. They were found separately at distances of 300, 480, and 630 metres from the tree, so they separately got a little bit further than the other and spread out, but then collapsed and obviously froze to death. Jesus. 
searching for. But you did say that they were like lying down, like they'd been placed there, didn't you? No. Oh, so the, the two underneath the tree did—they're the ones in their underwear, which we'll get back to. Okay. Sure. Okay. Uh, but search- so so far, there's still four missing. Four to go, including this Nikolai bloke. I forgot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, searching for the remaining four travellers took more than two months. Oh my god! They were finally ma- found on May the fourth, under four Be meters. With you. <laughs> <laughs> Under four metres of snow in a ravine, oh, or like sort of a crevasse, 75 metres farther into the woods from the cedar tree. So they went very far. How did they find them under four metres of snow? Well, it had started to thaw because May it starts, you know, ah, it gets a bit warmer. Sure. So then they found, hey, I think I, I think what I remember reading is that someone had a knee or an arm or something Ew. sticking out. And they were like, oh. Are these four were better dressed than the others. In their Sunday tuxedos, <laughs> which well, they, they had all packed for a party. Uh, and there were signs that those who had died first had apparently relinquished their clothes to the others. So people oh. had died and then that's why they're naked. For a second, na- <laughs> for a uh. I thought you were like they'd given them their clothes after they died. And I was like, hang on. Oh, no, they oh, took no. the clothes off. No, they off. took the clothes off, which sounds pretty harsh. No, but, but you do it. To survive. Yeah, you take their clothes. So that's why those two, need them. That's why the first two were sort of in their underwear, because the others took their pants and stuff. A seaman was wearing Lloyd Miller's faux fur coat and hat. Which is strange because Lloyd Miller was with him and her foot was wrapped in a piece of Yuri K's wool pants and uh, she was wearing his sweater. So they'd, um, you know, chopped up their clothes and sure, tried okay. to warm up or whatever. I feel more aware of this than ever before, but every every it seems like we keep saying things that mean different things in different countries. Pants means underwear in England. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So trousers. Trousers. I don't think we have to translate ourselves all the time. For, like, no, probably not. Our listeners are intelligent people who I'm sure have... And we say podcast, not podcast. Yeah, okay. Americans, it's the same thing. All right, Matt, is that okay? No, sorry. Do you want to pander sorry to for... them even more? They're intelligent people. Sorry for caring about our listeners. No, I care too, but I care well, enough. It does. Well, it doesn't sound like you care. Yeah, but if I'm It watching... sounds like you just want them to go fuck off and figure it out for themselves. I've never said that. Well, you basically did. If I was listening to a British podcast and they were referring to pants... And then in the context of the conversation, it sort of sounds like they're talking about underwear. I'd fucking figure it out, wouldn't uh, I? Oh, well, I think but that's because we are more intelligent as a general rule in Australia. <laughs> and that's why all the best podcasts come from Australia. Podcasts. Podcasts, sorry. Uh, yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, so these four, the ones in the ravine, had built a den to try and survive the harsh night. Oh, my God. Probably an idea of army man seamen as it was a common way to survive during the war. It was freezing when they were fighting in the eastern front. But their bodies were actually found a few feet from their shelter in the deep part of a ravine. Sort of almost like, I don't know, they may have fallen in there. There's no real explanation as to why they're they're not in their shelter anymore. But one of the weirdest part about the bodies was that all but three members had significant damage to their bones. Ew. What? what? Like they were crushed with immense force. What? Doctors compared the extent of the damage to being hit by a car. What? The trauma. Who the, do you reckon the one who wasn't crushed? Seaman? No, I reckon... No, he, was, he had a lot of damage. I reckon somebody drove a car into the tent. But... Whoopsie-daisy. The strangest thing about it was that not, they showed barely any outward trauma. Like you know, like they weren't bruised. Like it wasn't like they'd been hit over the head with a baseball bat because that fractures your skull. But also, there's a mark on the outside. But it was just when they open up the bodies for the autopsy, it's like, oh, you have a fractured skull for some reason. What? You know. So I'll say what. So Rustam had a small crack in his skull. Nikolai, 
the poor forgotten guy, had major skull damage. What? Uh, Seaman and Leod Miller had major chest fractures, like most of their ribs were broken. What? Yeah, but I will say, notably, the bodies had no external wounds related to bone fractures as if they'd been subjected to a high level of pressure. Weird. This is starting to sound to me like something from another dimension has come through here. A car hit the tent. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) From another dimension. But the tracks were covered up, but the feet were still left. Yeah. That would make sense. And it's up in a mountain. What cars from the 1950s are driving Um, a jeep? Fucking hell, man. Read a book. Well, I haven't thought of that. Jeez, Louis. Um, Just for our American listeners. We don't all have time to read books A jeep is a jeep, okay? I think they're actually called geeps over there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeep. And the absolute weirdest part. Oh, there's more. Oh, yeah. Oh, the weirdest part. Weirdest part. A couple of them uh, were missing their eyes. (laughs) Oh, But it has been speculated that because they'd been there for a while that maybe some animals had come along and eaten them out. But Lyad Miller was missing her eyes, part of her lips, as well as facial tissue and a fragment of her skull. But she was also missing her tongue. Now, the eye part and the skull... She was found face down in the water and been there for in the snows for two months. So it could have, like, her lips could have disintegrated. But that doesn't explain why her tongue wasn't there because it was inside her mouth and protected. Did you say an animal had eaten her out? <laughs> and I laughed at the time, but I didn't checking. say Just double checking. <laughs> the rest of the stuff was important as well, but... <laughs> oh, Matt. He did not appreciate He's that. So I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. And he freaked out by the tongue. It yes, freaks me out. Yeah, no, I'm so freaked much. out. I'm trying to. I'm trying to divert my brain. All right. <laughs> so so more cheerful things. What makes the fact even more mysterious is the lack of coherent explanation or description of or the damage. Because she doesn't have a tongue. <laughs> speak up. Speak up. <laughs> She's giving me nothing. You. <laughs> you are not getting the certificate, young lady, unless you explain oh, yourself. Yuck. Uh, what makes the fact more mysterious is the lack of coherent explanation or description of the damage. In the autopsy, all it mentions is tongue missing. But most most of the time in an autopsy would say, tongue missing. It looks like it's been chopped out or, yeah. or cut out. or doesn't say anything like that. So it's very vague, be, which is like, mysterious. You think there'd be like, a, if it has been cut out, there would still be something left. Yeah. That, that, you know, like, so you could be like, yeah, that's a clean cut. That's been cut with a knife. Do you think your car took the tongue out as well, Jess? What's, what kind of jeep is this? You got a better better theory so far, Matthew? I told you, it's a portal to another dimension. Well, Someone ta- slipped through it. There's time for many theories at the end. Oh, God. Another weird factor was Yuri K's sweater and pants showed increased radiation levels. What the actual fuck? So he had worked in radiation cleanup, but he probably would have thrown away all of those clothes. Another mysterious... Mystery consists in the fact that official officials insisted on checking for radiation in the first place. There was no real reason for checking. There's, there's just some kids that have got lost in the woods. Why would, when the army people arrive, would they go, hey, let's just scan the area with our Geiger counters? Mysterious. Oh, wait, so when they found them, they checked for yeah, radiation? Yeah, it was almost like they knew what they were looking for. Oh, that's spooky. But it was only Yuri's sweater and pants. And it wasn't like crazy levels of radiation that would kill you. It was apparently a couple of times what it's... What what is normal, but still more than is explainable. If they knew what they were looking for, surely it was a secret thing. Why would they report on it? 
very confusing. It is. A witness reportedly attended the funerals of several of the deceased and noted that they had very dark tanned skin. But I don't know if this is true. And if your son or daughter had died in such an awful way, you probably wouldn't have an open casket, would you? If they don't have eyes, no. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, d- I don't know if that's reliable, but I did read that. Yuck. Uh, the tent? I'm, I'm holding my face. I know. It's scary, isn't it? I just it? feel it's really creepy. uncomfortable. I've got my hands on my neck for some reason. Uh, the tent, I will say, had all the tourist money, valuables and the They're food. not your hands. <laughs> oh, Matt! <laughs> All their money, all their valuables still there. Their passports, their their smartphones. Well, so all, yeah, all their money, all their valuable stuff, apart from the stuff that's in their pockets, was still in the tent. So immediately they were like, well, this wasn't a robbery gone yeah. wrong. And their food was still there. So it wasn't an animal. Mm. Oh, creepy. So there was a bit of an investigation by the Soviets. And at the time, it was very quick, this investigation. They wanted to wrap it up quickly, mm. which is kind of suspicious, but also at the same time... Because it was the Cold War, they were pretty secretive about everything. So it wasn't more necessarily more secretive than, you know, they want to sweep everything under the rug that makes them look weak against Americans. Like, we can't look after our own people in the hills. Mm-hmm. So maybe they just want to cover it up for that. Or maybe they got something to do with it. Who knows? At the time, the verdict was that the group had all died because of a compelling natural force. Quotation marks. Yeah, the fuck that's does what that mean? Which is well. suitably vague. Yeah. <laughs> What does that mean? I'm a compelling natural force. <gasps> Where were you on the night of that day? 1959. <laughs> hmm? Any eyewitnesses? <gasps> no. No. Someone had a few eyes mistnessness. Nailed it. <laughs> Got it in one. Uh, the inquest officially ceased in May 1959 as a result of the absence of a guilty party. So they can't arrest anyone for this. Oh, shit. The files were sent to a secret archive. And the photocopies of the case became available only in the 1990s when the USSR dissolved. What? Although some parts were missing. Weird. A little bit dodgy. And this area was sealed off to the public for three years following the incident. Like they didn't want people to go there. And again, that could be because they're worried that something might happen or because they know that they might, that something might be discovered. Oh my God. Explanation time. So you're probably wondering what the hell happened. No, I wasn't thinking that, actually, All right, well, we'll wrap it up. I was like, great, well, this is a fun topic. I don't feel sad about the world at all. I thought it was a compelling natural something, something. Compelling natural force. Yeah. The Jess Perkins story. But a lot of... Yeah, (laughs) Jess Perkins, the compelling natural... Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage the compelling natural force. That is... Perkins. And then glitter cannons. You all ready for this? There's a 10-minute dance sequence. And then I tell one joke and I, another dance sequence and I'm off. That sounds compelling. Yeah, that's my festival show. It's going to be And natural. Cool. And natural. Very natural. Uh, a lot of people have asked the question. And uh, there are a lot of theories out there as to what happened. And I'll give you a few of them. And then I guess you can posit your own and then decide what mm-hmm. you think is most likely. First possibility that a lot of people say a natural one is avalanche. Maybe the group panicked because they thought an avalanche was coming. The theory is that they cut the hole in the side of the tent to quickly escape, left in a panic. And because it was nighttime, they're about to go to bed. They're not dressed properly. They're not wearing shoes. Mm. So they just start running. They get lost in the dark. Then they freeze to death. Sounds possible, kind of, but there was no evidence of avalanche found in the area that night. Even when they found the tent three weeks later, it was still standing practically. So it's fine, yeah. Even um, 
So as hardly an avalanche had hit the tent, also going against this theory is that the area had never had any avalanches recorded before that. Yes, it's not an avalanche. And Dyatlov was a pretty clever dude. He probably wouldn't camp somewhere where he thought there would be an avalanche. I'm ruling that one out. No avalanche. Matt? What do you think of the avalanche? I will not rule anything in or out. Interesting. Interesting Mm. tactic. Compelling. Okay. Natural. As yet. Sorry, as yet. Great. I'm going to give everyone a score out of 10. I give avalanche... A six. A six. That's pretty good. Yeah. But we don't know how compelling the other ones will be. Sure. Another theory blames the death of the tourists on Soviet special forces that simply got rid of unwanted witnesses. Oh, okay. So they saw something. They may have seen something. People who oppose this scenario point out that none of the rescuers ever reported any other footprints. Oh. So you have to cover up your footprints, but not the nine people in the tent. But uh, going against that again is that the footprints were never fully closely examined because when the search party found the tent, they weren't expecting to find a crime scene, so they just walked everywhere. So they sure. may have covered up the Soviets' footprints. I doubt that. Mm, I don't know how I feel about that theory. Uh, Soviets at the time were still trying out R-12 rockets that they adopted in that later in that year, 1959. And because they're in the middle of nowhere, perhaps they saw something they weren't supposed to. This could explain why the case was closed so quickly and sealed for a long time, to try and cover up that. Hmm. So was all the information there dodgy? I mean, why are they cutting out tongues and oh. eyeballs and and, bru- the- and and crushing bones without yeah, bruising so them? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Or is that just all weird? Like, is, is the, are the reports in on it somehow? Why would they say all those weird things then? Yeah, why wouldn't they just... Another, a lot of people say... They just say, oh, it's an avalanche. Oh, they froze to death. Yeah. Yeah, and other Cause of death, but freezing. possibly they can't because these students have discovered the bodies. Mm. So no, why did why witnesses? I mean, if they'd killed them, why wouldn't they have gone? Oh, we found these bodies here on a whatever. Mm, that's very strange. And also, at the time, Russia has a big history of just simply making people disappear. Yeah. So you could have just killed them on the mountain, hid the bodies, and then no one would have no mm. packed yeah, up the seems, tent. It's... No one would have ever found them. So that's a bit dodgy. I'm giving that one a three. Uh, this this was the height of the Cold War with both sides east to west of um, searching for the ultimate weapon to knock the other one out. But there's no evidence of experimental weapon sites within hundreds of miles that they ever declared. But there's been specula- speculation that they were trying to develop an ultrasonic weapon that would destroy with sound alone or use sound waves to confuse people. And that would kind of explain broken bones. Mm, so like, so the theory is like, like you, the sound makes you panic. So maybe they ran out of the tent. Sound waves. All right, I'm so, bumping that up to a seven. Sound waves? Or is that a new one? Oh, that's, that, that's a different one. All right, I'm giving that one a seven. Sound waves, possibly. Another quite interesting one that I found was um, possibly CIA involvement. Mm. Because uh, the FBI, um, not the FBI, the Soviet's secret police, if it wasn't them, then possibly the CIA, because they were always spying on each other. Perhaps the theory is that... Um, you know, Yuri, the one that had the radioactive clothing, perhaps he was going to make contact with the CIA in a very remote area, giving them the clothing with radiation on it so they could examine it to prove that the Soviets had been working on radioactive weapons. So that's the theory. But then the theory gets even crazier because some people think that maybe the Soviets put him up to it to give them a fake jumper and i don't know if you remember earlier on in the story he's the one that gets arrested and taken away from the group for a while so possibly conspiracy people think that at the time when he's taken away he's given this jumper to give to the 
US, the CIA, as a like a dummy, oh, and that he's supposed to meet them in the in the forest. However, something goes wrong, and they decide to kill all of the people in the tent. But again, it's a weird way to kill people. You just make them disappear. I'm giving that one a ten. A ten. Not ten. a doubt in my mind. That's the answer. Not a doubt in my mind. Some of the people, including seamen, had uh, signs of injury on their hands as if they'd been involved in a scuffle of some description. A fort. A fort. But that could have also been climbing the tree, sure. you know, making the fire, making kindling, all that kind of stuff. Doing a fire. Now, there's also people doing a fire. <laughs> Another theory, a scientific one, is that they were suffering from a behaviour known as paradoxical undressing. Yeah, this is my this is yeah, my this, theory. This is the theory that, um, and this happens to people. I give this theory a ten already. People that are suffering from hypothermia, their mm-hmm. body is in such distress. Basically, as you die, you get so cold that your body starts to think that you're hot. Yep. So you take off all of your clothes, which makes it worse. Yeah, and you get colder and you die quickly. But you know your brain's not functioning. Six out of nine hikers died of hypothermia, and that's undisputed. But the hypothesis doesn't address why they left the tent in the first place. If you're cold, not, it's not likely that nine people would get it at the same time and then all run out of, you know, and get naked in the snow. Mm. And mm. how did they get those other injuries, Jess? Mm. No, it's still 10 out of 10 for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. And then we come to aliens, Matt. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Sorry, we go. I, I gave my 10 away too early. Uh, well, I, I mean, it's similar to Fahrenheit. It yeah. doesn't make any sense, this system. You can just say any number. All oh, right, so the scale actually goes up to 130. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's often put forward that a UFO scared the group and made them ditch the tent out of fear. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> if I saw a UFO, nah, I'll how would you react? That's it. We got it. We got it in one. Pulsating orbs. <laughs> I love the word orb. Pulsating orbs were seen... Say no more, mate. We've, we've cracked it. We've, we've already said this is it. Well, well, they were seen repeatedly in the area in January, February and March by students, geologists, natives and even local militaries. So there's a lot of people saying that they saw orbs mysteriously floating in the sky. Not any orbs, Dave. Pulsating orbs. Pul- sorry, pardon, pardon me. Which is the most mysterious of all orbs. I like my orbs pulsating. <laughs> How would you like your uh, orbs tonight, madame? Uh, pulsating, uh, good sir. Oh, lovely choice. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, sir? <laughs> Got to have the garlic bread and the peanut. <laughs> Call back. On March 31, a group of search and rescue volunteers saw strange glowing pulsating orbs in the sky. One of the members, Valentin, described the event. It happened early in the morning while it was still dark. The man who was standing guard that night left the tent and saw a large glowing sphere in the sky. He woke up everyone. We watched this orb for about 20 minutes until it disappeared behind a mountain. It was moving in the northern direction. This event freaked everyone. We were sure that this was something. This was somehow involved in the death of the Dyatlov group. That's pretty spooky. Spooky. And again, this might have been USSR testing rockets or secret yeah, weapons. Yeah, I was going to say, that prob- seems more likely to be... Than aliens? Well, only because ever since people have got smartphones, you, you just don't see those videos anymore. It is strange that, isn't it? The Now that everyone has the, the ability to properly document everything that... Ghosts. Before that, you know, I think that there's hundreds of reports every week, according to the X-Files, which I treat as gospel. Yeah, isn't it? It's a documentary, I suggest it. Uh, One of the final things that you'll often hear is a yeti. Yeah. Some sort of monster. Yep. That mate would no. Um, yeah, that mate. Well, the argument here is that the injuries sustained by the skiers were so grave and extraordinary that a man couldn't have done it. Mm Mm-hmm. But a, a, 
inhumanly strong woman creature. Could, though. So how do you break bones though? From the inside. Do you think do they have like yetis have such forceful punches yet soft skin or something? <laughs> or do they use a pillow? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That like old technique. Book. <laughs> no get bruising. Phone, get the phone book out. Dial a yeti. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag dial a yeti. There it is. Look, I I think it, uh, we'll let the listeners decide, but I think we'll see. Uh, the hashtag with more traction this week definitely being what kitchen utensil will you put up your butt? <laughs> it's a long, it's a long. It's a long. Can you show on it? Uh, so if you've got a Yeti, so the Yeti argument is that the slits in the side of the tent were initially made to be quite small, not to escape it, but so people could see out of them. Oh. It's like they were little eye holes to see if some, someone or something was approaching the tent. Oh, yuck. And when they saw something, they made the hole even bigger because they wanted to run away real quick. Because they're like, Yeti. And if a Yeti's coming, it's unlikely you'd spend much much time gathering your things. You would just run out, you know. Very, no, I take my time. Women. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Hang on, Yeti. I, I haven't got my lipstick. I don't have any mascara. Oh, don't look at me. I haven't done my face. <laughs> oh, uh, and then the argument there is that they got scared, they ran away, and then when they tried to get back to the tent, they got lost in the dark. And I think if anything like this scare them, it's more likely to be a bear because most bears hibernate, right? But if uh, food supplies are particularly low in Remembrance Mountain of the Dead with not mm-hmm. much things to eat, they don't hibernate and they'll eat anything, including humans. Were there, mount- were there bears in the mountains? You said earlier that they, one of the reasons they called it a dead mountain was that not many things no live there, that's right. Animals and no I one, listen, Matt. And no one had signs of being bitten or scratched by a bear. Which would, Yeah, I don't think the bears would, would march them in a... Of orderly line and ask them to get twigs either. So not like a yeti would. Yeah. <laughs> then we get to my favourite. Oh god, there's a the, better one. The golden woman. Yep. This is very quick. I'm in. I'm in. I'm. I'm. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm cashing all my chips. A century-old horror legend in the Urals speak of a fearsome Zolotoya Baba, a golden woman lurking in the area. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm in. So that's it. Those those are the possible explanations. No, there's no there's no follow up or no there's no story of. Oh, the this is like, just... a golden woman in the area, and obviously that is another possible explanation. What do you and what do you have? What do you have a follow up question for that? I, I told think... I told you she was golden, didn't I? What else do you wanna? She was in the area. Yeah, and a woman. <laughs> Still questions. Okay, Jess. Jeez, you are hard to please. Wow, I, um, um, I've been just painstakingly descriptive in my detail. <laughs> is she silver? No, she's golden. Is her name Yuri? No, it's woman. Oh. <laughs> oh, God's sake, listen, for once, you're wearing headphones, can you hear me? Hello? Hello, is this thing on? Her name is woman. <laughs> golden woman. Am I right? <laughs> and I will wrap it up before you can make your... Final guesses. Unfortunately, these were not the last victims of the Mountain of the Dead. Oh. In the 60s, several airplane crashes took the lives of nine pilots and geologists who were sent to this area. And for a time, flights were totally cancelled in the region. Yeah, something's fucked about this area. In 2009, a uh, another plane crashed in the area. Pilots ignored low-standing unofficial no-fly zone. Fortunately, they survived the crash. But it couldn't explain why they're... Actually, it was a helicopter. Went down so quickly without warning. Golden woman. Golden woman. We've got the f- curse of the golden fairy. And I've got the curse of the golden woman. Oh, no. 
so many curses. Uh, most of the group uh, were buried together Aww. in a shrine that you can uh, go and visit. Except for Seaman and Yuri K, who are buried separately from the rest of the group in a cemetery that has uh, been officially closed for several years. Golden woman. And do you remember Yuri K, the radioactive one? Oh. Seaman, the people often say that Seaman, because he joined the group last, and he's from this mysterious uh, army background where only 3% of people mm. lived, that possibly he was working for the secret police, the KGB, and that's why he lived, because he would be doing secret missions, and that maybe he was sent along with the group to watch what they were doing. There was something a bit sus about Seaman, for sure. <laughs> I just can't quite put my finger on it. But yeah, having heard the story, it's... um. It's a crazy one. Do you have any guesses of oh, Golden man, Woman? It's just it's another woman. very unsatisfying. Yeah, I know it's hard to end these ones. Like you're looking at me, like yeah. Then what happened? I don't know. Oh, I, it's so creepy. And that's, and I said very early, why leave the house and do these outdoorsy activities? Well, have you oh, learned your you lesson yet? I'd love to know what our three um, topic suggestors thought. They obviously know a little bit about it. I'd like them to yeah, I'd like let to us know their, their theories about, or anyone else's theories. There's apparently yeah, a, a, a bunch of conspiracy theorists. It's, it's apparently big in their community. They know a lot about that. But yeah, I'd never sure. heard of the story. And no, You guys either. had never heard of Dyatlov? No, I never heard of it. Yeah, so now it's just it's named after Dyatlov. And mm. um, yeah, Blackburn, Chris Brown, Brett from email, Brett White. If you want to get in contact, let us know what you thought. Of that report. Mm. And anyone else, I don't know, have you got theories that I possibly... Because there's dozens of these when it's a mystery. Oh, there's always so You can many say theories. anything. No, I'm still going Golden Woman. Golden it's Woman. The only one that really makes sense. With all the information we have on it. <laughs> I reckon it was something about sound, the sound guy. Maybe the Gold Woman does sound. Yeah, she's an audio tech. Audio tech, maybe she's... I think she's, she, a, she, she's a techie. She bashed him with a boom. <laughs> <laughs> boom bashing. Oh, and sadly, because I mean, boom, and I'm, and I'm gold. gone. <laughs> gold, boom, and you're gone. Boom, and I'm gold. That's great. Yeah, yeah very good. Thank you. Um, and sadly, because of, I mean, the USSR wrote up a bunch of stuff, but I mean, I don't think they'll ever fully, if they know, admit. Oh, they know. Well, they they know. know it's a golden woman. And uh, Yuri Yudin, he lived to be quite an old man, and only died a couple of years ago. Oh boy, what? I wonder what his theory was. Probably favours Golden Woman as well. Seems like a reasonable dude. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Mm. You were Yudin. Well, that was a fascinating report, Dave. Thank you very much. I found the the story to be very, very interesting. Very and interesting. Um, I will link to a, a, a website that's quite comprehensive that poses a lot of these series and also has the diary translated in English and then lots of photos, which is amazing but very, very sad because oh. you can see them having such a great time. Yuck. In the back of a truck and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, they're having a great time in the back of the truck with semen. Akadaka. <laughs> Akadaka <laughs> plastic. Oh, out of the mandolin. What a time. Yeah, added in the mandolin solo. Um, hashtag favourite mandolin tune. Yeah, is there any? Um, so yeah, that's the end of the episode. Thank you very much for those guys for suggesting the topic. If you want to do the same thing, you can get in contact with us many different ways, and people are using them all now. Uh, Facebook. You can find us do go on pod Twitter at do go on pod email do go on pod at gmail dot com. If you see one of us in the street, just yell some words at us. No, please don't approach us. We're very, I'm very jumpy, very shy. <laughs> yeah, ever since hearing this, 
If you do want to see uh, Jess Perkins come up, she's touring the Northern Territory. Do one of our Northern Territory listeners? No, I'll be in the Northern Territory this week, so can uh, come come check out the road what show. What are the dates? Darwin. Darwin is on Friday. Friday the Alice on Thursday. Have you listened to this straight away? Catherine on Saturday. That's correct. Go along. Bring a friend. I'll be there. Are oh, you going to be there too? Of I'm course. Be there too. Yeah, we're going. We're hitting the road together. I'm just looking up the top ten mandolin rock songs. Number three is "Losing My Religion." R.E.M. Number two, Maggie May, Rod oh, Stewart. Good one. Number, number one, "The Battle of Evermore," Led Zeppelin. Good songs, all good songs. Great. There you go. But if you want to add to the list, tweet us in. <laughs> get in the official hashtag. My favorite mandolin tune. Very was. Seaman was playing those top three. Oh, I mean, definitely. They weren't definitely. around yet, but I reckon maybe he. He knew songs that people that's what, hadn't heard. So. That's why they liked him. <gasps> <laughs> people had the alien story. Do you think? Yeah, Seaman. He was a mandolin alien. Seaman wrote many of the great rock songs of the he second half the of the He built the pyramids and he wrote many of the mandolin great rock songs. Busy man. Mm. Oh, so thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week with another report. But until then, um, yeah, tweet us in, email us in, Facebook us in, five star us in, five star us in. You know what to do. Thanks very much, everyone. And until then, I say. Goodbye. Bye. I love you. Laters. <laughs>